Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Good evening, people of North Bergen and other districts. This is Wrestling Should Be Fun. I'm your temporary calling host, something like that, Matt Brummett, <laughs> because Dom's fucking about doing something with kids. Education, not nothing illegal. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's the thing? We come to you every week on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, ITV4, and Cartoon Network. So uh, have a... <laughs> Have a very, have a very good time. Phil, put in the uh, the jingle malarkey, will you, pal? Cheers. <laughs> Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. So after that, oh, thirty. That's the other bit I missed out. <laughs> Episode 30, here we go. Starting off with the call-up sheet. We've only got four entries this week, which is good for um, us lot who have not been on this for a while. We could be a little bit rusty. Let's get into it. Starting off with... Jacob Grondy from Greensboro, North Carolina. I think he's got a bit of, um, what's that old uh, poem? Solomon Grondy, born on Monday, died on Tuesday. Was that it? <laughs> a very short-lived career. So he was born on Raw and he died on NXT. <laughs> yeah. He, rem- he reminded me of, uh, of Bill Grundy, the old local northern television presenter who probably means nothing to you guys. He did reach national... <laughs> prominence where the sex pistols came on to his show and started swearing and got very upset yeah so maybe jake and grondy can do like a kind of a an interview segment on like gcw and keep getting very upset when people are swearing (laughs) love it i was just thinking that you know despite being from north carolina each week the ring announcer suggests he's actually from winnipeg canada or has some (laughs) to the place smashed it there lads Next up, we've got Gracie Raw from Tampa Bay, Florida. Is that Raw as in R-A-W or R-O-A-R? As in Raw is War. Oh, she's on SmackDown then. <laughs> <laughs> Rebranded. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure a name like Gracie Raw is particularly PG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's going to come up on your NSFW blocker, hasn't she? Yeah. With a name like Gracie, I feel like she would have been brilliant on Raw. Um, what was it called? The Shame at Man thing. Underground. Raw Underground. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's got to be a submission submission specialist. And um, isn't there like one of, isn't there like a female wrestler who's married to a Gracie? Your testament knowledge there, mate. I'm not sure. I think one of the female wrestlers is married to a Gracie. Oh, isn't that like, like Eve Torres or someone? Yeah, it is Eve Torres. It is Eve, yes, sir, correct. It is Eve Torres. Which Gracie is she married to? There I mean, like a thousand WG them. Gracie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Big beard. I still really like what's... I'm just trying to think for, for Raw and Smackdown. What's an antonym of Grace? 
Stiff, stiffy smackdown. I think <laughs> is the I want to go with. That, that would also set off the uh, not food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great two entries there. Next up, we've got Heather King from Country Roads. I mean, it's very hard not to sing it, isn't it? it yeah. <laughs> Heather King. <laughs> <laughs> So they're working that amnesia gimmick uh, where they don't know the way home uh, or where they are or who they are. And it's a bit like, what's that film with Guy Pearce where he's got a memory of like an hour and he has to write different clues on himself? Uh, I wasn't going Wizard of Oz. (laughs) You completely throw me now. Sorry. um, I think he's a type of Heather, isn't it? Erica is a uh, a type of Heather. We could what? What about Erica Regal instead of Heather King? <laughs> R- rather than what they've done with Darren Matthews or whatever he's called, Regal's uh, Regal's son's got a new name on NXT UK. You'll know this, won't you, Ross? Yeah, he has, and I can't remember what, what it is off the top of my head. He's shit hot, by the way, isn't he? But the um, for, for considering he's so he's so young, but uh, maybe considering like he's not got the Regal name, we can give Heather King the Regal name. Love that. Well, I um, worked at a un- at our uni club night at the bar and we had a CD so we could play the CDs because we were right in the DJ room and one time we played Country Roads on repeat for the whole night. Um, <laughs> so I think Heather King is a sort of DJ with a very limited playlist of Country Roads <laughs> and just plays it through our matches irritating her opponents into submission. Do you know how in ECW they had um, is it 911 who kind of came out like during boring matches and just choked some people? Band. Maybe. What? The boy band. <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> um, he was like a big fella and he used to come in. I, I'm not just having a fever dream. This is a real thing. I'm sure if Don was here, he'd back me no, up. It's, it's a real <laughs> thing. If Don was like the... it incorrect, like all the ECW <laughs> questions on uh, the. <laughs> it was like the precursor to three minute warning. Yes, spot on. Your three minute warning would have been a better a better reference. But but yeah, I can imagine that during just boring matches, she'd kind of run on onto like the stage near where the um like the announce desk is with a DJ booth behind it and just drop country roads on based on that gimmick Harris just to, and the crowd just ignore the match and just sing along to it. See, I would have gone a completely different way with this and just ditched the Heather King completely because it's too obvious. So the way I would have it is actually that she was separated at birth from Cody Rhodes, but she was adopted by an agricultural family. So Cody grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth and is very refined, whereas she's really rough around the edges and has got a proper thick, you know, redneck accent because she is country roads. <laughs> Mate. Growing up with a turnip in her mouth. That is amazing. <laughs> turnip in her mouth. <laughs> and last but not least, we've got the brilliantly named Johnny Cliche from USA. I don't like these people that book themselves. <laughs> Johnny Cliche is just um, John Morrison, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got like a, you can imagine him just finishing all his promos with like a really bad cliche <laughs> with a really bad tagline, like saying, apologies for the cliche. When he's in a match, the commentary from like Michael Cole or whatever, they actually shut up and they just use like the commentary they'd use on a SmackDown game. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Played in the background. <laughs> <laughs> the lights are on, but nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I like the idea of actually during his matches, rather than Michael Calder speaking permanently in cliches, he actually just does really good play-by-play commentary. (laughs) (laughs) No cliches allowed. (laughs) I just imagine that Johnny Cliche is like the young bucks turned up to like 20. (laughs) He's got that super like, you know, wink at the camera, very sort of postmodernist approach to wrestling. Like, yeah, we all know it's, you know, we all know it's fake and all this sort of stuff. But one day, the whole wrestling world is shook when he gets arrested for match fixing. <laughs> yes. Just thinking about it though, Shaf, you're spot on. <laughs> Johnny Cliche is definitely the kind of thing that Cornette would call Nick Jackson, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the call-up sheet. Absolutely great. Four entries there. Thanks very much for your uh, entries on Twitter. Look forward to more next week. Do you... Um... As I say, I'm a bit of a lapsed Twitter fan these days. I do still try and check in sometimes on the WSBF. But do you tag the people who are being called up in the call-up sheet when you release the podcast so they know they're on it? Uh, I don't. Um, I tend to just do a cheeky DM because um, of, like, word limit and whatnot. Got yeah. Little trick of the trade. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling the curtain back. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Worse than Johnny Cliche. (laughs) (laughs) So I think next, um, Matt's going to introduce the next uh, segment. (laughs) Uh, Right, so everyone, welcome to... I don't know why I keep welcoming. I think this is very formal. I'm going to stick with it, though. Welcome, one and all, to What the Nerds Are Watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. I've been watching you. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, has anyone been watching any wrestling um, this week? I think James wants to talk about Liv Morgan and Carmella. Well, <laughs> I was, you know, keeping an eye on the wrestling, trying to follow along what's going on, just in case there was a. I was around for a podcast and. Um, uh, one of the things that I did see was they were like, oh, it's only been two minutes total in the, it's not even called Queen of the Ring, is it? Queen's Crown, is that what it's called? Queen's Crown, yeah. Queen's Crown. So yeah, managed to catch the uh, entirety of Liv Morgan Carmella on the, basically on the Twitter, I think. It seemed that uh, people didn't seem happy with it. Like, not that the mat, the match was bad, but they didn't seem happy. They didn't get any, any time, but maybe that'll be part of a later on discussion. Well, but we. But the thing is, we can. We don't need to be that. We we, we don't have minutes, do we? Well, if instead of, I mean, we might as well just jump away and, and talk talk that stuff now, because and d round table the round table, square off the round table. But because, uh, yeah, because like I'd uh, the re- the reason why again to put, pull back the curtain, guys. One of our, the round tables we're going to talk about today was kind of this is the the lowest point we've seen for women's wrestling in a, in a good five years. And, and part of it was, and again, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not watching the, the women's King of the ring um, thing, but um, yeah, like one thing I noticed was, was a lot of match time stuff. And it, what is it? It's like added up. It's about eight minutes or something stupid or like the, the, the four matches they've, I've, I've actually got the, I think I've got the, the stats here. It's, Two minutes ten, one minute forty, one minute twenty-four, and then they went Broadway with three minutes and two. Have you got so, the three minutes and two. Um, I've got, I've got no idea. You can't. Don't interrogate my statistics. 
It was Natty and Doudrop. Oh, right, yeah. Classic. And it just feels, and it's not like this isn't me doing the kind of, oh, look, WWE's really bad. It, it just feels like, like there's a lot of big stars about, but it doesn't feel like women's wrestling's got a shitload of buzz at the moment. Um, I, know, I know everyone's still like raving over stuff going on in Stardom, but in the West, it just feels like it doesn't really have a buzz, right? Or am I just being particularly grouchy? I think you've got every right to be grouchy about the Queen's Crown tournament specifically. Eight minutes for four matches when you're trying to portray a brand new tournament as like influential and like it like, and like it matters. That's the least forward-thinking way of going about it. <laughs> so in terms of that, I think you that you're absolutely right. Um, WWE ha- have always struggled in terms of the women to tell more than what, one or two stories over um, a prolonged time. It seems that, like it's, is that um, just with women? Uh, <laughs> fair argument. <laughs> what about those women's tag belts? Like they do, have they got any prominence at all these days? Nikki, do they have any women's tag teams left? Nikki and Rhea won it off um, Tamina and Natty recently, and since then they've pretty much broken up all the tag teams um, through so the draft. It's pretty easy to defend your belts if you're the only team, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happens when you have superhero parents. that's what I did watch Um, but yeah um, I think that you've got very valid reasons Brum um, and we'll probably go into it a bit later in the round table um, oh, well, but I was saying do we, we could, bit, we could it, mine wasn't a, a red hot thing we could bin off the round table if we wanted to, to, to cut it off there or have you got some hot takes in general that you want to leave to later no maybe just whilst we're on this subject we might as well explore it and then we can move on with the rest of what the nerds are watching and yeah. you know other round table topics that may exist I mean to be the outside voice of someone who has pretty much seen nothing apart from well since mania so what's that six months or so that's all a very little amount of uh, SummerSlam. The women main evented Mania this year, you know? So, like, that's a, a pretty big thing. That's only the second time that's ever happened. Second time in, what, three years? That, you know, the women have main evented Mania. So, like, on, on the surface, I don't think things are that bad. This, you know, sort of Queen of the Ring-style tournament, like, on the surface as well, you know, sounds like a positive, even though I imagine it's only being done for the Saudi show. Is that right? Yeah. Is that being paid off on the Saudi show? But yeah, I mean, when you explore deeper, I can certainly understand where Brum's coming from. I mean, we, we talk about, he talks about buzz, you know, Sasha and Bianca, they had a great match at Mania, but they killed so much buzz with that. From my perception as an outsider, killed so much buzz with that Becky return at SummerSlam that could have been so much bigger, you know, if they hadn't taken the route that they did. You tell me how well that's played out since, because I, I haven't seen it. But there was, you know, a lot of intrigue and, you know, we've spoken previously about how they could have built up rather than just sort of hotshot that match. It's my understanding that, is it on the Saudi show that they've got Becky, Bianca and Sasha Banks? Is that right? Correct, yeah. Because again, on paper, that sounds amazing. Yeah. In terms of how it's played out, Becky is over as a heel. There's still elements of the crowd that want a cheerer and are cheering her. But by and large, I think it's made... They're dickheads. <laughs> but, um, but by and large, the reason for turning her heel is to put the rocket to Bianca, and I think it's working. Bianca's probably more over now than she was when she had the title, because babyface is always more loved when they're in the chase mode, right? 
Yeah. From obviously so about the last five years, the four horsewomen were a massive part of the last five years, maybe even slightly longer than that, going back into, you know, Sasha and Bailey at NXT and all that sort of stuff. Bailey's out for for a while, right? Yeah, I think she's gonna be back maybe in like maybe maybe Rumble. Maybe it'll be one of the surprise Rumble entries and maybe she might win it actually. Because uh, from my perspective, I, I kind of feel like a lot of intrigue and a lot of interest around them, that the four horsewomen is, you know, we've seen a long Bailey run. We've seen, you know, what, 12, 13 um, Charlotte title reigns. Yeah. We've seen Sasha face and heel. We kind of see, it kind of feels like we've seen everything. And now we're seeing Becky as a heel on the main roster. And there doesn't seem to be those four horsewomen in NXT ready to come and, you know, freshen things up. Obviously, you've got your girl, Wrecker, uh, is it? Yeah. Kel? Raquel Gonzalez, yeah. Yeah. I can certainly see that. And I think, you know, outside of WWE, obviously you've got Britt Baker as the AEW champion, who's a fantastic character and is brilliant on the mic, but is not necessarily going to bring, you know, that type of match that we... Like, for me, Banks and Bailey was the sort of thing that made me cry or, you know, brought tears to my eyes watching NXT. Like, it was that good and it was that emotional and that st- there was that much investment. You know, I don't, I'm not really going to get that from a Britt Baker match, I don't think. It's very unlikely. And we will obviously go on to Dynamite, which had a, you know, a really good women's match on it this week and was probably the best match on the card. But I can certainly see why Brum feels the way he does because there aren't, I can't really think, particularly in WWE, I can't think of any women's matches that I'd be overly excited to watch or that we haven't already seen. Yeah. Like I said, the, the match on the Saudi show, you know, is probably one of the few. Yeah. Did you have a chance? Brum to see the Impact pay-per-view with just the females on this weekend? Um, no, 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 I didn't. Was that, was that hot? It was getting a lot of buzz um, online. It was in tribute to Daphne as well, which was a nice little spot to it. Um, and then I, I, I really like that. They've, they've, got, they've got some talent there. I really love, I really love Deanna. I think she's great. I love Grace. I think they're the um, Iconics are on the way there, aren't they? Yeah, Iconics were on their way there. And um, the winner of the tournament was Mercedes Martinez, who obviously is uh, right, yeah. impressive. Didn't quite yeah. work out for an, on NXT, but I think that's, that's a nice little land. Hmm. There's, um, talent, there's still talent there in WWE, isn't there? They've still got like... That's my point. Yeah. <laughs> Asuka, like Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, all these people you know can go. And yeah. some of them have talent. Yeah, and, like, I think that's the point. There's, there's, and I think... And again, I'll, I'll throw you things that you, people have said before, but it is the way, and like you mentioned with the hot shotting, it's the way you do everything so many times, mm. so soon. And if someone has a match, they'll have a rematch on Raw. Or, I mean, it's like, just don't. <laughs> and then you won't, you, you know, you've got to say, that, that's like, I don't know, seven different people that you can build something out over a period of time. Not even talking about the ones that are, like the people who are in the tournament, like, like Tony Storm and Liv Morgan, and people, some people might who are getting better or who are, who are still are on the way up. But then just it's just that and a lot. Some of the criticism I was seeing was just about them. Oh, this week they did this match, and this really the same match, and the other team won, and whatever person won, which is that sort of thing they like to do because you've got so much TV you want to fill, and you you just blow through things, and you don't you don't give things proper time or like time to like manifest between. A match, it's the, same, it's the same old things people say, but if you've got a smaller female roster than a male roster, then just keep things apart a little bit longer. And from what I've seen, which is sort of tuning in, 
occasionally when I'm sat at home and I see something's on TV, with the Becky, Bianca, Sasha Banks thing, they have been doing more of the sort of segment stuff and holding them apart from actually having a match until they have it, which is, you know, a benefit, a bonus. But then on the smaller, small, on the mid-card feuds, we say, or undercard feuds, they're going one week, oh, then the same match the next week, oh, then back again. And it's sort of like, well, yeah, no one is going to be excited to see it because you've seen it three times in three weeks. Yeah. Is that what you mean, Brom, in terms of, because you kind of put it as a lack of buzz? Like, yeah. Because the star power, I would argue, is probably more than it was five years ago. Yeah, that, that, my point is, I, I think if you look across and like all the stars that are there, I think from a talent perspective, it's probably the best it's ever been. But that doesn't seem to be converting into excitement, you know what I mean, or, or, or wrestling, you know. And I, and I think it's it was just something that popped in popped in my head off the back of like, um, yeah, just seeing the state of the of the tag division, seeing those, um, seeing the numbers, and also just wider thinking about AEW, who who have and again, Jefferson will get to it. They, they have, they have moments, and I think there's stuff there, but that still feels quite a way off. And it has probably been been AW's biggest criticism that its women's division has been been lacking. One thing, just to kind of wrap wrap this up, I know it's been weird. I know that we've kind of dragged and had a at a round table in the, in the middle of what the nerds are watching. But um, now that I know Bailey's injured. But as this is like the first time, and I might be wrong about this, but the first time in my memory that all the horsewomen are heel, is it time to do a reign of terror and basically have have the four horsewomen as an actual stable and basically put all all four women's belts on them and just have them as like this kind of super monster heel unit that then you can actually get these stars, like build stars off them? And build faces off them and actually do something a bit interesting with that division or do you guys not necessarily trust that to work i think it's a good idea i mean you obviously need to pick the people that you're going to have to usurp them wisely um i was thinking of santina <laughs> <laughs> who would you have chef as your four up against them I'm probably the worst person to put on the spot because i probably know the roster the least well um <laughs> So from my very limited knowledge, I mean, the, the obvious people would be obviously Bianca. Yeah. Uh, probably uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Would you Dakota Kai. Nice. And... Wakayo Shirai in there? Yeah, that's, that's literally the name that was just, just on the tip of my tongue. So yeah, probably Io Shirai. Some team, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, you know, they've all... Well... Uh, Gonzalez and um, Shirai have already been champion, haven't they? NXT champion. Yeah. So are they sort of the fresh faces that you're necessarily looking to build or not? I guess, like, that's a bit of a weird argument because obviously Banks, well, well, all four of the four horsemen went through the same process, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, NXT doesn't really exist in the the way that it used to, does it? Yeah, agreed, yeah. Especially now it's 2.0. Well, that's what that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, do I think it's a good idea? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Do I trust them to do it well? No, I don't trust them to do it well. It's a shame that, that the, um, that the Ronda um, team never had the chance to do the four and four, right? Not not with the women, but they did like they put NXT over at Survivor Series a few years ago, like and then did fuck all. <laughs> 
Very yeah, that was actually kind of a poison chalice that wasn't it it was almost like the, like the best thing and worst thing that happened to NXT really that Survivor Series yeah agreed on that downbeat now should we jump, jump back into what the nerds watching I have a question quickly just one more because I did actually well, I remembered what I actually watched when I was clicking it was the the draft um I some questions about the draft because when I was watching it Sonia that's her name isn't it I haven't seen it for a while. She was like, oh, this wasn't one of mine, picking for SmackDown. So that suggests they're picking these people for the draft. Yet the order that these people were picked in suggests it was completely random. <laughs> so it was like, I'm sure like, like someone who went in like round four didn't, did like, I don't want to get it wrong, but like, like Becky Lynch was going round four or something stupid. Like that, and then they were picking like Naomi in like round two, and she's like, "Oh, it's all of my pick," because obviously she's feeling with Naomi, which is fine. I like that little touch, or she's got some sort of beef with Naomi. But then why? It's not a draft, and you're not drafting. Then why are you making it sound like you're making picks when you're not? If you, unless you are, I mean, if you are, then why are you not? Why is Naomi getting drafted at all when you're only drafting twenty people? In that offence, Naomi, but she ain't getting in the top twenty. I think I'm going to side on uh, the side that I think it was pretty much known that it's the networks in inverted commas that are choosing these rosters. And yeah. Sonia, and then Sonia was just making the point that like, oh, oh like who picked this? It, it wouldn't have been my pick. I don't think she was saying me and Adam Pearce have been doing the picks. I think it was more just to, like, you know, a, a like story beat of like, oh, Naomi. Yeah, no, yeah, that bit, yeah, yeah that was part of it. Still stands there, doesn't it? Like, it's a, whoever's picking it, why is it not on order of like best to worst? Or does Vince McMahon assign them all values? And even though Naomi's shit, she was actually, she's like a, a four, like 0.5 million midfielder. Like, <laughs> not yeah, bring her in. One, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's corners. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I say, if, 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 if you want to do it, just sort of like, you know, you could say, Oh, I don't know. Well, I say, and they're all that the it's aimed at American fans, and they're going to be more into this than I am as like an American sportsman. But say if you want to have like a big one at the start of the show and a big one at the end of the show, and just say, you know, the draft happened, blah, 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 and we're going to be revealing the second round picks at the top of the show and then the first round picks at the end of the show, keep people watching. Yeah, don't yeah. pretend to me that you've picked like the, the star. I, might, I mean, I might have got it wrong, but so I watched the end, like. You've picked like someone really good at the end when you've already picked some like yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure that like Finn Balor was a round four pick. Yeah, Finn Balor was knocking around in round four, and it's like oh yeah, well he's going after Gable Stevenson. You know, I was really excited. I thought it was Chad Gable, but <laughs> he'll have to go back to Shorty G now. And they had him hanging around in his room with his family. Yeah, that was fun. I was like, so you're half doing it as like a real draft, and you're doing this bizarre I know it's like obviously a storyline which I've no problem with but don't do it half and half <laughs> come on he's there with his family cheering because he's been drafted yeah great but then you're drafting people who are like oh yeah sorry but that is what I watched this week <laughs> <laughs> was there anything else going on in main roster Ross what about the um, the king's crown of the ring uh, there were some really good matches on that um quarterfinal bracket actually the highlights were Rey Mysterio and Sami Zayn had a really good match on Smackdown um, oh is Rey Mysterio still about yeah um, oh. honestly like unbelievable like the work rate of that guy 
when you add in his age and his knee operations, like unbelievable mm. how he still does what he does. Um, definitely a goat in wrestling for me. And over on Raw, we saw um, Ricochet finally having a match that was like over four minutes long against Xavier Woods in a face v face match that was amazing. Really, really good. He broke out of the women's division. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope Xavier won. I know that he's kind of his big thing has been the yeah. wanting to have a king of the ring. So that's really cool that he at least got a win. Yeah. Um, Xavier got the win, but Ricochet was the star of the show in terms of doing all the flippy things. Mm. He did that thing where he does the dive over the corner. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was great. And that's the main roster. And then... Seamus have a good match? Seamus has um, had to have his uh, nose reset again, so he's um, out of action, sadly. <laughs> um, over on NXT, though, I don't know if you guys have still been watching it or not, Brum. No, sorry. Skipped it. Um, I'm really engaged with this Joe Gacy character. Is he the, is he the, the woke? Is he the one who looks he, like Carlton? He looks like Kevin Owens. So, he's, really better, so like, he's like a, a, CZ, a CZW guy who they signed, I think, last year. He's been wrestling for like 16-odd years. And in CZW, by the looks of the pictures there, he was doing like the kind of like creepy monster thing. But um, on NXT, he's like a false prophet. So he's like this woke guy. There's so much potential to it. And he's now been, it looks like he's going to get um, the guy that's, um, that, that was Scarlet, not Scarlet. Uh, what's his name? The, like real big dude. He's got loads of Twitter followers. Blonde. The Rock. <laughs> um, someone, Bordeaux. Scarlet Bordeaux. I can't remember his first name, but like he's now been renamed as like Harland. And he's like had his head shaved. And so he's going to be his like right hand man. But, but like, it's a brilliant gimmick. So he's basically a woke guy who um, tells everyone that the ring is a safe space and, and everyone will be winners and he won't do anything violent. And then he, and then he basically goes back on, on everything that he says and he wrestles in a Owens type way. He was on, when I last time I went to Germany, he, he was on the showcase show for the CZW match against the guy I said looked like Matt Carlson. But you said it like me, Ross. I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, with the long hair. Yeah. It and called? yeah, it's just a really great Tony, character. He, he got signed as well. Yeah, he did, yeah. But, but, but now he's on AEW. Yeah, so NXT has a mixture of characters that are like quite layered. And then like there's this guy called Tony D'Angelo who debuted last week. I saw the thing yes for him. He's like, uh, he's, he's like a Jersey mobster, isn't he? Yeah, it's amazing, and it's like... Was it any good? Um, the wrestling match itself wasn't amazing, but he's only been, like, pro-wrestling for, like, six week, uh, for like six months. But he's, like, an amateur wrestler, so he's got, like, the, the like basics and the foundations there. Oh, cool. And he's a big guy. But, yeah, the character's amazing. He came into the ring, and he tried to, like, buy the ref. <laughs> yeah, and the crowd just loved him. But, yeah, this new NXT 2.0... It I'm, sounds like 1992 superstars, Ross. It sounds like this is an absolute dream for you. <laughs> I, remember when you I remember when you said um, that you watched the, the very first match, um, the very first episode, and you said that it's right up my street, and you were, ba- and you were bang on. Everything feels fresh. You've still got some, like, of the old guys. There was, there was a Pete Dunne versus Grimes match, which was really great. There's the Champa versus Bron Breaker stuff. 
which, which on the mic is great and there's a presence about them, which is amazing. And then there's just loads of new characters that come in. Some stuff looks cool, some stuff looks shite, but it's just like um, fun character show. So let's see how it goes. Um, I, but I can see why Brum has checked out because it's definitely not a work rate show anymore. And yeah, and when I watch it, I, I, did, I didn't really have any criticism for it, apart from Brom Breaker's name. It's just a not for me, Clive, but they did, they did what they did well. As we've got the King of AEW, Chaffon, shall we jump into Dynamite, Dynamite and Rampage? one point before we jump to AEW, sorry. Yeah, go for it, Chief. So I did see this week, and it was sort of, sort of main roster-based a little bit in the past, that Dominic Mysterio thought if Rey Mysterio had lost the custody match with Eddie Guerrero, he was going home with the Guerreros. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> like, the actual kid, but he was a kid, thought that. What a mark. <laughs> That's an NSPCC job, surely. That's storytelling. <laughs> they obviously didn't trust his acting ability, did they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did look like a scared kid. I was like the punk one, he looked like a scared kid. I remember looking like a scared kid somewhere. That's actually some um, Shane Meadows shit, that. That's like when they told Sean that Milky's actually being beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> they should do a Brit Rest version with Tommy Turgoose playing Dominic Mysterio. So, AEW. Yeah. <laughs> so, this week was, well, I say this week, last Wednesday, uh, was, of course, the two-year anniversary of Dynamite, which to me is... Wow, that time has just flown. Like, two years of Dynamite, for me, like, personally, I've watched every single episode since it started. Uh, very early on, subscribed to Fight TV, uh, which is just a much, much, much more enjoyable viewing experience than trying to use ITV. And wow, like, where's the time gone? I mean, two, like I said, two years ago, first episode of Dynamite. I don't really know if you guys have got any memories of that show at all. First Dynamite? Yeah. They opened up with a Cody match. That's right. First ever match on uh, Dynamite was Cody versus Sammy Guevara. They've both obviously, you know, had quite storied AEW careers, really, for a company that's only been around two years. Sammy uh, obviously very recently won the TNT title. Cody's definitely going through some interesting character development at the moment, not particularly popular despite being the face. Uh, So, yeah, first ever match on Dynamite two years ago was Cody versus Sammy Guevara. The only other thing that I remember from that show is Santana and Ortiz debuting in a beatdown with the president's masks on. I don't know if anyone remembers that at all. I think one was wearing a Bill Clinton mask and the other one was wearing, I don't know, maybe a Jimmy Carter or I can't remember. Probably Nixon, I imagine. And they debuted on the first Dynamite. But yeah, two years... debut on that? Did they have um, Super Smash Bros? What were the, or the Dark Order? Did they... Did they debut on that show as well, or not? I think they were on the pay-per-view. I think you're right. I think they were on the pay-per-view, weren't they? Because the pay-per-view was just before the first episode, wasn't it? I think it was a few days before. Um, Anyway, as I say, two years of AEW for me, two years of watching a wrestling show every single week. And for me, that's unbelievable. I never thought I'd be in this position, personally, to just have that sort of commitment to watch weekly wrestling. So, yeah. It's flown by. It's been brilliant. It's reignited my love for wrestling. It was definitely a massive help during the COVID era. I guess we're probably still technically probably slightly in the COVID era, but definitely towards the end of it. Yeah, they handled that brilliantly. So yeah, Dynamite this week, as I say, two-year anniversary. We obviously have been speaking quite negatively about women's wrestling, 
or or the state of the American scene of women's wrestling at the moment. But they had a brilliant women's match on this. Hikaru Shida was back. She obviously carried the women's title through much of the lockdown era, as it were, wrestling in front of no fans, uh, putting on good matches every week. And this week had the opportunity to rack up her 50th win against uh, Serena Deeb, who has had, she seems to have a brilliant match every time I see her on AEW. She had a great match with Rio in both the, I think it was the, they had a tournament, was it the women's yeah. tournament? Yeah. And then again on the uh, free-for-all or pre-show of the last pay-per-view, they had another brilliant match. So yeah, uh, they had this trophy, obviously, for uh, Sheeta. If she won against uh, Serena Deeb, it would be a 50th win, first woman to do it in AEW. And yeah, their match was great. Not sure how long it went for. It, pro- it felt like it went for a good 15 minutes. But yeah, just no sort of, just proper wrestling. You know, there's nothing else to be said. Just proper wrestling. Just Deep's finisher is class, isn't it? It's Where very she good, yeah. slams the knee like repetitively on the serenity lock, isn't it? Where she slams the knee repeatedly and then drops it in. It's so good. She's just, yeah, she's, yeah, I completely agree, Shaf. She just never seemed to have a bad match. And I was over the moon to see Sheeda's return. I think she's amazing. I think she's a, a real star. And it's just, I just thought they were kind of, maybe they were just keeping her off to, to kind of keep her fresh on return. But yeah. It's lovely to have a back. Yeah, no, I mean, her journey in a lot of ways with the title was a bit like Drew's in that pretty much everything happened with no fans. And then when they sort of came back, she dropped the title or dropped the title just before they came back. I don't recall, you know, exactly. So for me, Serena Deeb, she's someone that until she showed up in AW, I hadn't seen her since she was getting a head shave by CM Punk on SmackDown in like 2013 or 2012 or, you know, somewhere around there. The straight edge society must have been what 2012 does that sound about right it was about 2010 because it was pre money in the bank right yeah no you're probably right because i think he money left in the bank was in the nexus era wasn't it he was leader of the nexus with the money in the bank stuff theoretically yes i think Just it was 2010, probably yeah no you're I, you're I think you're right actually i'm a bit late because i he left in 2013 or 2014 didn't he so he wouldn't have been straight edge society then but yeah having not seen her since then or, or even really heard anything of her. Like, she's so good. Yeah, she's so good. And, you know, she obviously picked up the win here. She up in the, um, one of the May Young Classics. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. Do you think um, she's, she's potentially taking that TBS title? So we, we'll speak about the TBS title, actually. They obviously introduced another female title. Personally, I think it's probably a bit soon for another woman's belt. They've got, like, how many more men have they got than women on that roster? They could probably use another male belt before a female one, I would think. Um, I know that the women's division is improving and it's getting there and it, it's slowly growing. But, you know, as Brum said, that has been one of the main criticisms of AEW is that their women's division hasn't been as developed as, as the male roster. So maybe a bit, bit early. She obviously turned heel on the show, hitting Hikaru Shida with the trophy. Are they going to have two women heel champions? I don't know. It would probably make sense to, I think maybe Thunder Rosa picks up the belt and does sort of the weekly, you know, sort of almost work rate matches. She's more suited to doing that than Britt Baker is. And it means Britt Baker doesn't get overexposed either, I guess, and doesn't just burn through, you know, the few challenges that they do have. Her and Britt have obviously had a bit of a rivalry as well. So it keeps them apart for a while and doesn't sort of go back into rehashing the the couple of you know matches that they've already had including that brilliant lights out match that they had 
The name that I keep on seeing on Twitter um, for that title is Jade Cargill. Yeah, I mean, I like Jade. Like, genuinely like her. But she's super green. I think there's a reason why she wrestles on Rampage every week. Do you or... think, though, that, like, because of the ranking system, if she keeps on racking up these wins and they want to keep her unbeaten, like, handing her that TBS title gives her a right of passage without having to be, like, the number one of the main title sort of thing? Yeah, potentially. TBS? Sorry, is that the second TV channel that they show them? So Dynamite's going to be moving from TNT to TBS uh, oh, in yeah. 2022. I don't know what channel Rampage is on. Does anyone know? That'll stay on TNT, I think. I might be wrong. If that is the case, then it would make sense that the TBS title gets defended on TBS, which, you know, would be Dynamite. So Jade works Rampage a lot because I'm... Assuming, I don't know, I don't read the dirt sheets or... But I'm assuming because it's a taped show and because she's so green, they put her on Rampage so they can edit out any mishaps she might have. Yeah. So given her the TBS title that will presumably be defended on the live show, there might be some issues there unless they plan for her to drop it before the end of the year when the show switches. Have they said when they're going to do the tournament or, or if it's a tournament? I think they said it would yeah, be a tournament. On January the 5th. Oh, okay, so there's a fair bit of time. So it's not like full gear or anything like that then? No. It, okay. In which case it will be, you know, they will be on TBS by that point. Yeah. Oh, well, that'll make sense. Probably, realistically, the final might be the uh, on the first episode right, of the TBS move. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. There was a couple of other fun matches, wasn't there, around the... Uh, Ramp- Rampage and Dynamite blurs into one for me, but I think the... Um, the eight man was was solid, wasn't it, Chaff? And the and as well the I mean bloody hell the the cowboy pop, yeah. right? So I, I mean the eight man. I feel like they didn't have like a, a ten man on rampage recently. My yeah. memory's not fantastic, but like in both cases, they felt way better than they needed to be. You know, oh. for a multi man, multi tag, uh, TV match. Yeah, the four way was really good. Obviously, Jungle Boy took the fall, but didn't lose anything because he literally got hit by essentially four people's finisher at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, that was really good. I mean, the biggest thing that's happened in wrestling, like for me this week, is was obviously the casino ladder match. Previous um, to going on to that, Shaf, just a quick one. Obviously, um, Adam Cole's come into AEW and it feels like he's primarily just gone after Jungle Boy, almost exclusively, uh, starting with the super kick on his debut. Um, and then um, obviously Jungle Boy took, took the fall in, the, in their actual match, like one-on-one then also in this eight-man. Do you think they're going to get a, a match on full gear? And would you stick with the same story and have Jungle Boy as almost like his kryptonite is Adam Cole? And then that can lead into future story beats? Certainly one way you could go with it. I think that now that the Young Bucks have dropped the belts, you know, they're going to be on that pay-per-view somewhere, aren't they? You know, so I, it's prob- I think it's probably more likely that they do something with the super click on that show. So, you know, Cole and the Bucks versus Jurassic Express plus Christian, Christian, more than likely. But yeah, I don't hate that idea. He's already won, though, hasn't he? 1v1 Cole. They're not going to beat Cole already, I don't think. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, (laughs) they could possibly build up Cole up to the point where he's champion and then have Jungle Boy be the chaser and then be like, he's faced him five times and he's never beat him. And then that could be the time that he finally beats him, whatever. Yeah, I mean, with the length of the title reigns, I think, because I think Omega, if I'm right, I think he won the belt on the 22nd, no, sorry, the 2nd of December last year. So 
by the time full gear comes around, it will have been more than 11 months. Yeah. I just would think that to get the belt onto Cole and to do, you're looking at years down the line. Yeah, yeah, which is something that Khan seems to be a perpetrator of, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite. Like, so I know that James was saying about WWE, they have the same matches, people fight each other the same, you know, which is true, which is one of the major criticisms of WWE, that people face off 17 times and then they have a pay-per-view match and no one cares. Yeah. With Jungle Boy and the Elite, and all of those type of guys, they have been having quite a few matches, but the interest still seems to be there. I don't know why it's different. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, and I've bored people's ears, ears off this, we're talking a lot about 90s All Japan, but if you get the dynamics of multi-man tag teams and really set them up and set up kind of almost like pecking orders and like interrelationships between them, they can just spiral off in so many different ways and you can tell multiple interesting stories within matches. And they're a really good front for it, and to the extent that some of the best All Japan matches, especially of like 1990-1991, are six-man matches. But like when you just have them as a, I oh, will just throw people together and see what happens, you know, then they are boring as fuck. But if you actually have things when you are actively trying to tell both um, multiple and overlapping stories within matches, they are very interesting. And an AEW have got it right on multiple occasions. And whilst we're we're talking about all Japan, it would be remiss of me to not mention the fact that recently on AEW they brought up the four pillar thing that we've spoken about previously, the four pillars of AEW. I think uh, MJF referenced it directly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he ran through all of them, didn't he? So as part of the, the him and Derby feud, yeah, which is interesting. I have yeah. to do a roundtable on that next week. <laughs> Definitely potential there. But um, so let's move on to the main because. Mm-hmm. As I've introduced this, talking about tears of dynamite, with no actual intention of <laughs> going on to this, but a storyline that's been two years in the making is the hangman story, you know, and that's pretty much unheard of in wrestling to have this title hunt that's consistently been, you know, two years long. Uh, this amazing story arc that we've had with him, you know, he got the Joker card in the Casino Battle Royale and obviously won that lost in the pay-per-view for the first ever champion against Jericho, went into his tag team with a with Omega and had all those issues and split from the elite. And so for this story, as he said, the cowboy pop, you know, it was just brilliant. A brilliant moment to see him come back. The last time we saw him was or I remember seeing him wrestle, at least in a significant way, was in failure to beat Kenny, right? Yeah. So yeah, to see him come back and win. Like there, there has to be a, a payoff to this now. So you think he wins the title at Full Gear? I don't know. Well, they haven't announced it for Full Gear. He's got a title at some point, hasn't he? But who else do you think could Kenny fight at Full Gear? Well, that is the issue, I guess. So uh, my understanding is that he can basically have a match whenever he wants. But yeah, I don't know. I imagine it's going to be some sort of storyline development. Does Omega start trying to play mind games with him and you know start playing to his self-doubt? that, you know, you're not as good as me. Every time you try and do something, you fail. You know, you keep getting to the main events, you keep going for the belt, and you, you can't cut it. You're not good enough. And that can obviously go one of two ways. That can prolong the eventual title match. Or from now until full gear, which is not really that long, is it? It's like, what, two, three weeks? We have Hangman overcoming those self-doubts to sort of fulfill his destiny, I guess. What's the alternative? Is the alternative to pull the plug on Danielson rematch now? I don't think you can do that 
not for the title because it doesn't work within their system. Yeah. I actually think the other the other factor is AW have got away with it already in terms of and and I didn't think they would, but getting away with it by having Omega in title matches that you knew he was one hundred percent gonna win. And if he fights anyone but Hangman at full gear, we know he's gonna win. Or we know he's not gonna drop the title. So I think they've got to go Hangman and Omega at full gear. And it'd be it'd be nice to have more time again to do the stuff that Shafi said, but I think I don't think they can have a because again, especially because they only do four pay-per-views a year, I don't think they can do another one which doesn't have a, a world title defense with Jeopardy. And I think the only possible ones they could do would be Danielson or Page. And I don't think they can do Danielson for the reasons that Shafi said. And then I guess that if it is Page at full gear, they're seemingly sharpening up MJF for a title shot, right? Which is perfect for Page. Potentially. They're doing this whole MJF, like, give me what I want thing, right? Five scouts. <laughs> it may be that MJF, if you talk about the four pillars, he runs through the four pillars to get the title shot, to get to Page. I don't know, but um, there's definitely some op- um, options. But yeah, I, th- I think Page beats Vega at full, full gear. To be honest, if once he's past the elite stuff... MJF would actually be a really good opponent for Hangman because there's so much material for MJF to use on Hangman. You know, so many things that he can pick on. Yeah. So many things that he can prod him with. And there's like going to be a very clear heel, heel and face dynamic in that feud. And you can actually protect potentially an MJF loss in a pay-per-view match if it then plays into the Wardlow stuff and that leads down to that story beat. And, and also, to be fair, like with MJF, a loss against Hangman isn't going to hurt him. No, 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 no especially with a world title match. I think it's, yeah. No, and, and to be fair, in AW, I think that the way they built up that belt and that they've had so many few champions, I think as, as long as it's a one-off and you're not getting beat by them every week, I think getting beat by the world champion isn't an issue. It doesn't put people down at all, for anyone for that matter, but specifically for, for the reason Chef said, I think. Have they done I like the sort of the rematch trope for the losing champions? The like, automatic rematch. Do they do that? Or they sort of go to the it, back of the line like and have to work their way back up the rankings? And... They did it once and there was a storyline about it. it wasn't a shaft. My brain's just completely switched off who it was. They did do one rematch, but it was like made of a, a big deal while there was a rematch, but it's not an automatic rematch now. Yeah. And that sort of goes back to what we were saying earlier, isn't it? It just keeps it fresh. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you want to see it again, you've got to wait keep coming back not come back tomorrow (laughs) but come back tomorrow anyway to see the other stuff but like (laughs) yeah anything else on AW or or, or the wrestling before we wrap up Nerdwatch fun just a quick I saw Bobby Fish was knocking around he had the Red Dragon theme he did it was a banger a quick question for Shaf on um, how he's enjoying the punk run after being so excited after the signing so just before James said about Red Dragon, I w- Punk just popped to my mind. I mean, uh, Daniel Garcia? Yeah. Well, I imagine that's someone that Brom's probably a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, he seems yeah, he's, right he's, up. He's, he's very deep into my soul, yeah. He just seems right up Brom's alley. You know, I know we spoke about Brom, but uh, yeah. I think it's been... Punk is a difficult one. I think it's been so-so. It's been probably 50-50 so far. His debut was brilliant. Obviously, I was, we were all very emotional about that. I think he's still finding his feet. 
the problem is that his at the moment i don't think his wrestling ability is where it needs to be for his star power mm-hmm. and he's getting there but you know he never struck me as the most naturally athletic guy in the world anyway did you see the um the dive off the ropes to the outside against um his opponent on on a friday night and he and he kind of didn't get caught and hit the barrier and he was like yeah. And he was like down for a while and he just kind of looked, he almost did a look, look at the camera like, I know. <laughs> but I think he will get there. I think give him six months, like he will get there. It's just doing the reps, isn't it? It's just knocking that dust off. I think it was not maybe not the week that has just gone where he sort of said, you know, are you bored of this? And like part of me was thinking like, well, actually, you know, this same sort of thing every week is getting a little bit repetitive. The week before he cut a promo and he showed he still got the fire. Was that the um, where he cut it on Taz? Yeah. So you know that when he gets into a proper program, like it's going to be there. It's just about making sure that the wrestling is there. Yeah. Is there any part of the chef that thinks that a lot of the fun-loving punk stuff is on purpose and that he's going to, in maybe Q1 2012... We 2012. What the fuck am I on about? 2022. We gonna we we could see a we could see a heel turn. Or, or do you think that'll, that that they'll just they'll keep him face for for the foreseeable? I think it would make sense. You know, keep him face for now. Sell as much merch as you can. I got my punk shirt. I got my punk hat. <laughs> you know, sell all that ice cream. Black collar or a white collar, chef? I got black collar, mate. Oh, look at you. No knockoffs. <laughs> I'll wear it for you next week. Nothing else. Um, yeah, so let him have this run. But yeah, I can definitely see that being the case. At the moment, he's a bit like, do you remember that Jericho return where he just came out and he would just be like, hey, baby! It's almost like a pastic to... of himself, almost like, yeah. Yeah, and just smile to the crowd and then like go back again. He's kind of, that's basically his game at the moment. Which then actually led to possibly his best ever stuff with um, him and HBK, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah, I can definitely see that with Punk. I think that would be good for everyone. If if he's that, if he's too good, he'll never manage to get them. Like, you have to work harder than most people to get booed. You sort of start off hot, and then you sort of just let it die a little bit. Get people thinking you haven't got it, and then hit the hit the switch, turn to the heel. Now you hate me. Now I'm going to be back to being a cunt. Bang! That's what I'm good at. Rum said, do I think that he's deliberately being this way to build a hill turn? So when Rum said, do you think he's deliberately being this nice? Or So my mind actually went somewhere else. And it was almost, for seven years, people have been saying that CM Punk is really bitter, that he hates wrestling, that, you know, he's up his own ass. So him coming back and just being grateful and being happy and just, you know, loving fans and, you know... I think there's possibly a part of that to show, look, I'm not like this bitter old man who hates wrestling. You know, I had my issues, but like I kind of got over, I'm, you know, pretty much over it now. I do appreciate you guys. I'm still, you know, you know, I've gotten past all that sort of stuff. So I think there's probably that element as well, but yeah, punk 2022, you know, would be great. And I think that at that point you would hope that his mouth, well, his body can, you know, live up to his mouth, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Snake's always a snake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think you're you're spot on to be honest. Uh, without Shaf, and I was probably just being a bit of a, 
a bit of a stirrer, but I think I'm with you. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything funky about it. Uh, just one thing to shout out is that um, this Thursday on NXT UK is um, A Kid versus Dragonov, and I'm very excited. Oh, you're kidding me! Fuck me! That'll be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. I'm. I'm I, I basically what I do with NXT UK is I just tune in every few weeks when there's a match that I fancy, and that will definitely be one of them. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they fought. I don't remember them. I don't know off the top of my head them them fighting anywhere. Are we Are we good for maybe two minutes? Two more minutes for a for, for, for more yeah cost not 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 for aw um I don't know if you guys have already spoken about this recently but just throwing it out there I don't know if you guys have been watching Dark Side of the Ring yeah so I think it was probably last week or maybe the week before I'm not sure they did FMW oh brilliant. I didn't realize it was on the FMW one I'll definitely watch the shit out of that. Is it just all about Anita being an absolute carny piece of shit? Or? So it's interesting you say that because me and Ross came up with, with two very different opinions of Anita. <laughs> I think Ross, surprisingly, which one of us do you think came out of it thinking he was a carny piece of shit and which one of us came out of it thinking he was a legend? Has <laughs> <laughs> it gone the other way? Have you, are, are you pro-Anita now, Chef? I definitely came out of it more positively than Ross for a change. Um, <laughs> So it was, uh, it was really good. I, I mentioned to Ross the other day, what was really interesting about it, I didn't you know, really watch any FMW or anything like that when it was out. Uh, probably only sort of exposure to any of that sort of stuff is the odd clip that you know, maybe I downloaded on Kazar Light along with a load of malware. Um, and you know, seeing Hayabusa in ECW in 98 for literally one match. But I think one thing that was really impressed upon me, without them actually having to say it, in the documentary is just how much emotion and how much connection to the fans Anita was able to make in these crazy sort of death matches. And like, I hate death match wrestling. Like I Nick Gage, all that sort of stuff. I hate that. Honestly, I've got no interest in it whatsoever. Like it's just garbage as far as I'm concerned, but watching that, you could just see that there was a difference because they were doing things to make a connection with the crowd, even if it was, you know, making a swim ball explode or whatever, which is what I find difficult about, you know, deathmatch wrestling is there is no, I personally have no connection to the people who are, who are fighting and they just kind of move from one stupid spot to the next. So that was something that I enjoyed about that. They also, Hayabusa, uh, they obviously mentioned him briefly. Um, something that I didn't watch this week, but I listened to, there's a company based in the Midlands called Cella Toys. Basically, they are a recent toy company who have started making action figures like the old WWF Hasbros. Oh, sick. They've just recently released the Hayabusa one. And as part of that, they've got a podcast. And they did a podcast on, basically, Hayabusa's life, which I listened to this week. It was really, really good. Really interesting. How awesome. Um, so that one's definitely worth a listen. It's about an hour and a half. On that podcast, if if he got paid properly. <laughs> but yeah, that. So I listened to that this week, and that was brilliant. Yeah, bro. Um, we won't say much much about it. Um, but yeah, definitely watch the FMW one. It's yeah, a- I, I definitely will. The um, I mean, Anita's a really interesting character. Everyone kind of remember, and he is like an absolute rock star. And I totally agree with Shaf. He's he was great at getting people on side. But like, you've got to remember, he had a like. He had a rivalry with like Fuchi back in the seventies when they were just like normal wrestlers, you know. Like I think his first retirement was in like eighty one or something, and he did a bit of a 
Terry Funk. So Fuji was uh, like before he became this deathmatch god was like a legit Japanese star. Funnily enough, it was really Tiger Mask kind of, uh, well, I should say Tiger Mask 2, the Masao era, kind of him kind of popping up where kind of and pushing Anita away, which kind of eventually started him him kind of thinking thinking in different ways. So it's interesting, like, it's not like he's just a guy that's just turned up and started doing backyard wrestling. He's got like probably 15 plus years of wrestling experience, more pre-20 years before FMW even kicked off. So um, I don't know how much yeah. of that they, they, they talk about in it, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, so they briefly mentioned that, that he was a, a junior heavyweight in uh, New Japan yeah. um, and got injured and obviously... That's... It was all Japan, actually, um, Anita. Okay, all, okay, all Japan. They showed a really freak accident where he just literally like hops off the apron and his legs just fall backwards on himself, like horrendous. So I think then maybe, if I've got this right, I think Anita was All Japan and maybe Tiger Mask was New Japan. Uh, the no, original Tiger Mask. original Tiger Mask was New Japan, yeah. yeah. So this is covered in the, in the podcast, I was just saying. Basically, Hayabusa was grown up and he would watch wrestling on the TV with his granddad. And in New Japan, you had Tiger Mask and he loved Tiger Mask, like a lot of the kids did. And he hated All Japan because... Anita was in all Japan and he was sort of trying to act like he was better than Tiger Mask. Mm. Uh, so Hayabusa, even from when he was a kid, hated Anita <laughs> and obviously ended up becoming famous in his promotion and ultimately taking his place as, as the ace of FMW. But yeah, one thing for you to watch and one thing for you to listen to there, bro. Yeah, sounds good. I'm just literally just searching for the Hayabusa one now. I'm definitely going to definitely going to get a hold of that actually if, if we talk really quickly if we're talking about podcasts and documentaries um i don't know if you guys know but all the uh, the historic art of wrestlings are all free on acast so I, i've just been going back and listening to a bunch of them mainly a lot of the old british wrestlers yeah that's definitely worth your time and i don't know if any of you guys have come across the brit rest documentary two falls to a finish yeah i've seen it yeah yeah it's like six ten minute episodes on youtube um, that are just there for, for free. So it's like an hour in total. It's interesting because it's like, it only takes up to probably about 2015 or something like that to be 16, but it is a, it's definitely worth a, worth a watch. For sure. I agree. Right. Should we go, um, should we go for, I think as Dom describes it, the main event? That doesn't mean it's going to be Titus O'Neill versus No Way Jose. It means it's the, it's the round tables. We've already done a, um, a sneaky unofficial roundtable. Um, Ross, what's what's your one for the week, for this week? Yeah, so mine's just a, just a bit of a fun one to try and balance out your females are shit at wrestling. <laughs> I didn't say that, you know. <laughs> I'm joking, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is just one that I that I threw out onto Twitter this afternoon and got some nice little um, engagement of just some of your favourite wrestling gears through the years. So just to just to wet the whistle, some of the ones on Twitter were that like Bret Hart was a hugely popular one, specifically the pink on pink actually, and uh, Hussein Liger got a lot of uh, shout outs. Um, Sting and myself went for when LOD had the gold pads and spikes. Oh, great shout! Yeah, great shout. So yeah, th- um, those are just some some fun ones of um, wrestling should be fun Twitter. Um, so just throwing it out on, onto the floor. So I think my favourite attire 
is probably was only ever worn once and i believe it was worn on an episode of superstars in 1992 hello and it was worn <laughs> by you know long time well he's a legend let's be honest absolute legend uh max moon yes <laughs> and just that was a tiny thieving little piece of shit and just for, and just for one week he had this little jetpack yeah and he pretended that it made him hop from one <laughs> ring step up to the next ring step up to the next ring step to enter into the ring and for some reason it didn't survive past the week <laughs> <laughs> apparently that that suit cost an almighty amount of money yeah totally worth it <laughs> it's still, so we're, still talk, we're still talking about it now <laughs> it's been almost 30 years how about you james i was a big fan of the uh, mr ass trunks I knew this. I knew he was going to say it. I just, in, my, in my head, I just had giant lips on us. Like, <laughs> but the big question is, which colour? I like the, the um, sort of pink and green, I think, uh, sort of live in the memory. Uh, Dom, uh, former host that, of the... That, sorry, sorry, James, is that pink lips on green <laughs> background? Green, or green, green lips green, on pink background? Green, lips, green shorts, pink lips, yeah. <laughs> That's um, it. But as I say, yeah, um, former uh, host of this podcast, I'm, I'm going to call him that, like, and just to raise his ire, Dom Philp, uh, <laughs> recently sent me, <laughs> recently sent me a, a Instagram link to, uh, you can buy them as boxer shorts, which I haven't done yet, but um, <laughs> I think I'll have to at some point, won't I? Other good ones are like um, Big Boss Man, both, like old school Big Boss Man, like early 90s, and then the sort of Kevlar hardcore like i hated that big boss man so much as a kid but looking back on it that was a good attire Delo, with his as i said to you like ben roethlisberger on sunday had this literal chest protector you know <laughs> roman, roman reigns sort of rip off Delo brown just his neck isn't quite as wobbly if you cross roman reigns and the churchill dog what'd you get Delo brown <laughs> do you remember um oh yes yeah. who caused that <laughs> Remember the wrestler? Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you remember the wrestler? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Do you remember the wrestler who? Who caused that injury for Delo to get the chest thing in the first place? I, I can't, but I do remember him being like, uh, why Mero, is he It was when he was stretched by um, a debuting Dan Seven. Oh, wow. Fact. Um, yeah, I, I'm always a big fan of the. the I say I was, I was a big merch fan, like of merch, not a wrestler called merch. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a big into. I've got. I had the DX. I did have a DX football jersey. That was like X Pac back in the day. Um, I always thought Triple H was a bell end then, but I really liked X Pac's look. Triple H couldn't pull it off. Road Dog, X Pac, Mr. Ass, China, but the other one. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Probably some some more re- some more recent things, but yeah, he sort of sticks with you when when you're growing up, doesn't it? Like anyone's from um, Britress. Well, the first time I saw Marty Skrull come out in, as the uh, the villain, that that was literally the first thing that came to my head. I didn't want yeah. to say that. I saw it. The first time I saw him was in Dallas, and I was like, "That's bloody incredible! Look at this clown! Look at this clown!" <laughs> you just sort of had to look at him and like. Yeah, he he'd definitely be up there. That was that was an incredible get up. Yeah, he built just built. I mean, looking back on it to sort of go back and see how 
I can't remember if I listened to him on a podcast. I think I did listen to him on a podcast where he was talking about how he added into these different bits and then someone was just like, yeah, just chuck an umbrella in there with it. And he's like, yeah, just took it out for a laugh and it sort of just becomes part of it. And just adding those bit piece by piece to create yeah. that. And the end look was just, yeah, ridiculous, but it worked so well. So that, yeah, that was, that was a really good one. But Brit rest-wise, um, it springs to mind. And Brum, I'm, I'm assuming as a Liverpool fan, you're a big fan of Zach? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Zach anyway. The, um, I, I mean, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to like name some like obscure All Japan Junior from 1989 or something. But honestly, the, the first name that came to my head was Bret Hart. I remember just being as a kid and just thinking it's the coolest thing. Bret and Sean, thinking they were just like the coolest fucking people on earth. And, and again, as, as James talked about, DX at the time was like first gen DX, so cool. I actually had a real thing for Triple H in pants. I think Triple H is long trousers. Love that, yeah. Like trousers around the like American term pants, sorry, but the um, the, the long trousers. Um, I think Brian Kendrick's jacket I was a big fan of. Ooh, great Ooh. shout. Yeah, if we're talking jackets, they want to shout out Mercedes Blaze. Yeah, but, but, but actually, Sky Smithson has now kind of been wearing it. We, we saw um, Eve, and she was wearing a, a like a, a very Kendrick esque jacket, and I was very much into it. And 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 if we're going with um, slightly shady Brit Ress icons, I think Jimmy Havoc in the white and pink Die Havoc Die shirt and the white trousers is just fucking outrageously awesome image. I think. Yeah. Even without it covered in blood. Yeah. I think um, in terms of just cool looking, probably Ring Camp. Oh, great shout. Yeah, what an aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. just cool as fuck, weren't they? Yeah. Can, can I throw one out that, did, that was the, and you reminded me of it, Brian, by mentioning Triple H in long pants, was CM Punk wearing the like, NBA basketball shorts in his early Ring of Honor days. Yeah. Uh, I loved so much. I went like literally bought baggy shorts off eBay for like seven pounds. Yeah. Like baggy like really wet, like bleach blonde like hair and stuff. Yeah, it's just a great look, isn't it? Fucking yeah, Raven. Like, right. X in my yeah. yeah, Raven's a great shout. Raven's a really good shout. The thing about like, so as a, a massive Brett fan, and obviously he's got a lot of mentions here, what I never really understood is what's the point in a singlet that doesn't cover your nipples? <laughs> I'd actually go the other way. I'd say, what's the point in a single that does cover your nipples? <laughs> it's just, it, it's not doing anything. Why is it even there? <laughs> what's the point of a one, like a big show one, where it's got one, <laughs> one, so it's just coming across one nipple. <laughs> that's I like how you went big that's show and not Andre. I shout out the at the same time. You can cover up one nipple and not the other. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's got one strip nipple. Yeah, two nipples are excessive. <laughs> so another shout I would go for uh, Razor Ramon waist jacket waistcoat yeah you would think waistcoat pants and pair of boots is a bit weird combo especially if it was on like Gareth Southgate but Scott Hall Davis kicked out of the crucible in 1989 <laughs> am I am I wrong I might be wrong but didn't isn't that sort of what uh, I haven't seen for ages uh, Hangman wears now he wears trousers now I think yeah. Well, early AEW was he wearing pants and a waistcoat? Yeah. 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 Maybe inspired by. Last question on this roundtable, Shaf, on razor, purple, green, black, or red? It's purple. It's got to be purple. Purple. Oh, just classic, isn't it? You know, 
WWE on Sky, sponsored by Atmosphere. <laughs> black with yellow letters and red trim. I'd go. That's the um, that's that's WrestleMania ten, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Watch out. All right, guys. Well, um, that's the end of my round table. Um, if we haven't got any more from Shaf or James, uh, so I'd like to. I, I've got one, but I like to say that I've got a bit more time. Cool. Should we do a quick book of bingo? I thought, I thought that was James talking about um, like his like favourite ring gear, and he just needs a bit more time to come back. And, look, I just I just need to put a forty-five minute piece together on Val Venus's pants. <laughs> We ordered food when you were talking about something that I hadn't seen, so I, <laughs> so I don't want to go too long and open up a new round table in case it arrives. <laughs> so, actually, whilst, whilst I was, you know, dismissive of Bret Hart's nipples, um, <laughs> one thing I will say is that the Hart Foundation jackets oh, were yeah. brilliant. Shout you know, where they all had their own jackets and then Bulldog had no sleeves because he got massive guns. Yeah, like, that. That, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Which you get? Right, guys. Wrestling should be fun ones. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I'm in. Oh, I'm in. Get them on pro wrestling tees. Who's <laughs> the biggest seller, is it? <laughs> right, lads. So I think we'll go. Um, time to get balls deep into Booker Bingo, isn't it? B I N G O and Bingo was his name. Oh. Right, so let's have. I'll do the. I'll do the hosting, and you three can can book. Right, we actually don't have an interagenda match, which is nice this week. Trish Stratus versus Jamie Hater. Wow. Any volunteers, or do I have to pick on someone? So it's uh, some sort of raw appreciation night. They're bringing out Trish. They're talking about how you know she's one of the most influential women in WWE history. Um, you know, seven-time women's champion. I believe she's in the Hall of Fame. If she isn't, she um, no doubt will be soon. Just giving her all these accolades and, you know, how she, you know, worked really hard to get better in the ring, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and she's interrupted by Jamie Hayter, who comes out and rather than the highlights of Trisha's career, runs down the lowlights of her career that she started off in WWE, you know, managing a tag team that's an abbreviation of tits and ass, because that's exactly what she was seen as, um, that she would get on her knees and bark like a dog for Vince McMahon, um, that she was only there for her looks. And that while she might've tried to do a little bit of wrestling, ultimately she wouldn't be able to hang with today's generation of female wrestlers who are more committed to the craft and are not merely eye candy. So this would lead to a match at the pay-per-view. And whilst no doubt the crowd would be firmly behind Trish Stratus because of her Hall of Fame accolades and just gen- she's just really nice, isn't she? Like if you saw Trish, if you had a coffee with Trish, she'd just be like, she's just really nice. Like I can't imagine her big time in you. She would just be super cool. So we get this match. They obviously show highlights of Hater in Japan highlights of her in England, in AEW, etc., to sort of build up this mystique that, you know, she's someone from outside. They show the transformation that she made sort of pre-COVID to, you know, no, like she looks, you know, she looks great. Like she looks so strong. She looks, 
as an aside to this book of bingo, haters transformation's been brilliant. Anyway, um, so they get to the match. Basically, a bit like Johnny Cliche, Trish mm. just tries all of these different moves that we've all seen a, a million times before. But Hater is a student of the game and she's got them all scouted. She's got a reversal for all of them. Um, and Trish just, no matter what she does, she just can't find a way to beat Hater until Hater hits her, starts hitting moves that Trish has never seen before because typically, uh, you know, they're only done in Joshi promotions and Hater's learnt them from her tours of Japan uh, until eventually she locks her into a submission hold uh, that Trish hasn't seen before and is unable to escape and is forced to tap out. And Jamie Hayter, the face of the new generation, out with the old style, we're not going to celebrate. We, we can't, you know, Hayter's very much of the opinion, we're not just going to celebrate their highlights. We need to shine a light on what they were a party to, which was essentially, you know, the Divas era and not the era of wrestlers. But things have changed now. She's a student of the game from England, wrestled in Japan, mastered all different styles, and no one's going to beat her because no one's got the same repertoire, repertoire that she does. And even if they try, she's probably going to overpower them anyway. Jamie Hayter, your new face of the WWE Women's Division. And finally, for the first time in five years, we got a bit of buzz back for Brock. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely stuff, Shaft. Anyone in next? Yeah, it's sort of like, because I was going to go, it's, there's a, you can book a good match here. These are normally funny. And I was like, I haven't really got anything funny. Um, I'm going with a slightly, it's slightly going to sound like I've stolen shafts, but it was, um, I came out of it at the same time. He just spoke before me. <laughs> uh, I'm using Trish Stratus, uh, as Jamie Hayter being an AEW wrestler, uh, I'm using Trish Stratus as she's sort of come in as a, uh, into AEW as a sort of CM Punk to the, the hero's reaction. And I think the last time I was on here was the CM Punk podcast and I was adamant he should lose to Darby Allen. And that's basically what's happening. He's going to get the match against Jamie Hayer, who's going in as a heel, not even as a face. The call-out stuff is going to be similar to Shafi, so I'm not going to go all the way through it. But they come out and then Jamie Hayer gets a clean win as a heel over Trish Stratus, who realises she has to start from the bottom again and build herself up as the younger crop of talent is better and they're too good for her. Main event himself, Ross Casey? Um, yeah, so I'm thinking that I'm going to do this as a setup, um, classic online setup, where everything's set up these days because nothing's on TV anymore. Um, Trish Stratus is doing her yoga DVDs and whatnot, and she's doing a tour of the UK, getting them signed. She goes down to Southampton to the local HMV, and um, she's meeting her fans and they're talking to her about WWE and whatnot. And someone asks her who her favorite wrestler is at the moment. And she says, Jamie Hayter. And then from out of nowhere, Jamie Hayter is actually at the HMV store, calls her out, puts her through the table, through the yoga DVDs. And it's gone on and it's gone online. It's gone viral. Uh, people are hashtagging Trish V, Jamie etc etc and uh, there's all the online build leads up to um the pay-per-view the dynamite previous to the pay-per-view trish comes out as a bit of a hero similar to what james was saying um and the and the promo on jamie is 
um, I did the show on that other channel and we called it evolution and, and, and what's the evolution got over there? It's just two minute matches. The women aren't given the chances. This promotion is where we're going to have a revolution and that revolution. I'm going to beat you, Jamie Hayter for breaking my yoga DVDs. And, uh, we have the match, uh, uh, Revolution, Hater versus Trish. Great back and forth match, similar to the Charlotte match where uh, Charlotte got over and Trish still proved that, that uh, she's still got her uh, wrestling chops. Um, but in the end, it is Jamie Hater that goes over with the uh, Stratisfaction Bulldog off the ropes. But Hater's strength means that she just lifts her over um, and, and like, holds her up, slams her down with the win. One, two, three. Jamie Hater is made a star. And Trish Stratus um, proves that she's still got um, plenty in the tank and she can be an AEW star with a similar um, work ethic to Punk. So, yeah, that's my match. Top work, lads. I, I think it's, I know James pointed it out, but how, how these are usually um, just full of shit bands. I think it's, uh, it's actually quite nice to have three mostly serious takes. And um, yeah, well, I'd actually, and, and sh- I think shout out to James first. I like as he alluded to, touching it before about Derby and Punk. And, and I do agree, I would really like to see that at some point. Debuting big star in AEW gets beat by an up-and-coming talent and what the implications of that are. Um, Ross, I did like your um, trying to have your cake and eat it and going for a nice serious feud, but also having it about yoga DVDs getting messed up in HMV. So, but I think um, I think Shaft's opening pitch. I thought that was a, 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 a yeah, just a just a, a cracking feud that I'd have that I'd really like to see. And and so for that reason, he takes the win on the book of bingo. Well, it's Shaft. It was definitely a week to get in first there. I think. <laughs> yeah. If you're not first, you're last. In the marathon, I was like, I'm not going to win this bastard. <laughs> <laughs> How far into it did you realise you weren't going to win it, mate? Eight miles. <laughs> <laughs> then you started rapping. Right. I'll, uh... <laughs> Cheers for that, lads. I, I better run, but that's been a, a terribly lovely evening. Yeah, Super thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Love it. Just on the uh, Wrestling Should Be Fun outro, you can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, and on SoundCloud. This should be coming out on Friday. Looking forward to uh, your hearing it. And also, just a quick shout out to say that um, I will be on the Apron Bump podcast and YouTube channel tomorrow, which is Wednesday for uh, for those of you listening this week, where um, me and Kyle from Apron Bump reviewed chapter 15 of progress which is a lot of fun and their channel is well worth a listen and a watch too so thanks very much for listening oh, can I do a cheap plug? james is about to do a cheap plug yeah if anyone lives in greenwich london not connecticut <laughs> and wants to come and do some trampoline based fitness i now run a franchise in bounce greenwich uh at bounce greenwich on instagram please share it with your friends in case they might live there Got some good attendees already, good number, but I'd love some more always. So I'm going to use this space to, to plug that. Great shout out. Shout out to wherever you are, though. Shaft, so, do you want to plug anything? Well, no, but I think that, that sounds fantastic. I mean, obviously, we know the Hardy Boys started off on trampoline, so James could be training the next generation of Brit Ress. Exactly. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Um, thanks very much for, for listening, and we'll see you next week.
Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.